Welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your host, Khalid Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. Hello and welcome to the Airman Helping Airman podcast. I'm John Farrell, Chief Operating Officer of the Air Force Aid Society. And on the line, our guest is Jerry Young. In a moment, I'm going to have Jerry say a few words, but let me go ahead and give you a little bit about his background. Jerry is very passionate and a dedicated servant of military veterans, having been one himself. And he focuses his area on transitioning and assisting folks when they leave the military. He, uh, Currently works as the veteran engagement manager for NVETS, and we'll talk a little bit about NVETS here in a moment and his background. They're designed to provide connecting points between Hoosier employees, theme there, he's in the state of Indiana, and transitioning service members and veterans across the nation. Although they're centered there in, in Indiana, I'm sure there's a lot more use outside throughout the country, and I'm sure he'll go ahead and tell us a little bit about that. He connects with veterans and transitioning service members and their families, an important component throughout the country to consider job opportunities across many different job sectors in a variety of job areas. They're a partner with the state of Indiana and they have an extensive network within the veteran services community. Previous to this role, Jerry worked for outreach coordinator for Soft Power Systems LLC. And there he assisted over 150 Indiana National Guard soldiers, guard veterans, and military personnel with issues related to their behavioral health, employment, education benefits, financial counseling, and disability claims. And prior to that, just like myself, he wore the uniform of the United States Army. It's a little bit different for me as an Air Force guy, but he was a first sergeant of Bravo Company. And I got a lot of respect for first sergeants, Jerry, because I was a first sergeant, a little bit different in the Air Force. It's more of a position, not a rank like you, but Obviously, a clearly enlisted leader and mentor. So first of all, welcome to the show. How are you today, sir? Oh, wonderful. Partially recovered from overeating since Thursday and Thanksgiving. Just about, I think I got one drumstick uh, wrapped up, weaseled away, hidden behind something in the crisper so nobody else gets it. <laughs> you and I both, I was remarking to a friend this morning, you know, the when I'm done here, I'm looking to my right. I got my home gym and it will be time for my 5K run. <laughs> so I'm with you, but welcome, and we're glad to have you. So, Jerry, let's kind of start at the beginning. You joined the Indiana Army National Guard. What made you choose not only the Army, but the National Guard? Why didn't you go active duty or a different route, for that matter, or go to college? Yeah, so initially I started my military career in the Air Force. I was an ammo troop for nine years, joined in 1991, and I separated in 2000. Five years in Germany, two years in Guam, two years in Phoenix at Luke. I got out, moved back to Indiana, and I'd been out for about four years, just over four years. And I was like missing the military, missing the camaraderie, people that get my jokes, stuff like that. But I was like, you know, I got nine years in the bank here. It'd be a waste to just let that go. And I said to myself, well, hey, let's try something different. Let's do a new challenge. So I did go with the Indiana Army National Guard. The reason I wanted to do that was I wasn't ready to do the full-time aspect like with active duty and they had to try one. 
So instead of going to the active duty component, one of the reasons I'd moved home from the Air Force when I came off active duty was some medical concerns with my parents. So I wanted to stay local. Plus, you know, I'd been gone for almost a decade. So family and the opportunities that the Guard had, I went infantry, which was, you know, going from the Air Force to the Army infantry, a bit of a culture shock, as you can imagine. But like I said, I wanted a new challenge. I wanted to challenge myself. So that's why I chose to do that. Great. Well, I learned a couple of things. First, I appreciate the fact that you were an airman. I didn't see that on your bio. So thanks. We'll be diplomatic here and won't say the ammo chant. If you ain't ammo, you ain't something. We'll just leave it at that. Yes. yes. I do appreciate your time in the Air Force and obviously appreciate your time in the Army National Guard. So when did you leave? Are you still currently serving or are you done with your commitment with the Guard? Yes. Yeah, so I retired coming up on seven years ago. Wait, six years ago, coming up on six years. So yeah, I retired at a Bravo company to the 151 in a little town here in Indiana, Logan Sport. I had actually deployed with Alpha Company, which is out of Gary, Indiana, in the Northwest Quadrant in 0910 for Operation Enduring Freedom. But when I got back, Logan Sport was 40 minutes as opposed to the two-hour drive up to Gary and the time change. So I'd always show up an hour early and ready to go, and they'd tell me to calm down come back in an hour. But I actually started out in, when I came in the guard, I was doing the traditional one weekend a month for about eight months. And then my civilian employment changed. And there was an opportunity for me to get into recruiting for the National Guard. At the time, 2006, they had the global war on terror. You know, we were fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I got pulled in on GWAT orders did that for a while. Then I got picked up on AGR and I ended up doing recruiting for about three and a half years. But my wife at the time, I was talking to her and I came home one day and I said, you know, I'm having a hard time sending these young men and women off to combat when I haven't gone myself with the army. And she's like, hey, do what your heart feels you want to do. So I resigned my AGR position and I volunteered and got attached to Alpha Company and I deployed to Bull was a Camp Edgars and I did a QRF, Quick Reaction Force on night shift. And then I also did the night shift sergeant of the guard. Well, again, I really appreciate your service and thank you for serving during a difficult time. And I'm sure that everybody that served with you are appreciative of that. And that's a perfect segue into the main topic of hand here. I always say that I didn't know what I didn't know when I hung up the uniform. In my case, I hung it up February 1st, 2005, 18 years ago, almost 19 years ago now. And I did not transition well from the aspect of doing HAP and all that other kind of stuff. I had a quick notice assignment. They dropped on me. I seven-day opted. And they said, by the way, last Friday was your last day. So I immediately went to work and got a job. And in hindsight, I probably should have took some time to learn the transition. It was ill-equipped. So we're going to talk a lot about that and talk about what you do with veterans. So when you left there, that's when you began your work with NVETS. So tell us a little bit about NVETS and what attracted you to joining their organization. Yeah, so it's a funny story. I was actually at a hiring event at the state fairgrounds just north of our offices. It was uh, Hire Hoosier Heroes. And I walked in, I had my little messenger bag with my resumes and had my mustache done because it was a few years ago. It was a little shorter. I ran into my old company commander that I deployed with, and he was talking with the NVETS founder, Wes Wood. And I walked up to the commander and I was like, hey, sir, what's going on? He's like, Jerry, good to see you. He said, Wes, this is the guy I was talking about that you need to hire. 
And so I met the founder of InVets. We talked for a minute. We set up a lunch about four days later. I had a good lunch. He said, hey, sounds good. Show up Monday. I showed up that Monday. He goes, hey, welcome to InVets. Wednesday, you're driving to Great Lakes Naval Station, and you're going to tell them about InVets and why they need to move to Indiana. And I was like, right on. And that's pretty much how it's been for the last five years. Wow. Yeah, we're a small group. I mean, there's only, well, let's see, one, two, three. There's only six of us full-time, and we cover the entire United States, over 20 bases. So, yeah, we get a lot done for a small team. So give us an idea of what you actually do, what services you provide for transitioning service members. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a 5013C partner with the state of Indiana, and our primary mission is working with veterans and their families, help them identify the right career and the right community for them, here in the state of Indiana, because we don't want to be just transitioning into a job, kind of like what happened with you. We want to transition into a career and into a community that they're going to be comfortable with putting roots down and raising their family. So yeah, right now we attend events and career fairs at over 20 installations across the U.S. I haven't gone to Oconus yet. There may be an opportunity to hit the Deutschland in the future. Except for being tall and jammed on a plane, I wouldn't mind making that trip. But yeah, so we're just trying to get to figure out what they want, where they want to do it at, and what kind of lifestyle they want. Do they In Indiana, we got the urban, suburban, and rural. So if you want to work in the city, that's great. You can live in the burbs, or you can you know live out in the country and go cow tipping on the weekends or whatever floats your boat. So it's pretty diverse and it's all about identifying their needs and wants and then just plug and play and figuring out where at in Indiana, we can do that for them. So my last podcast, Jerry, very similar topic, you know, uh, what I do for community service is I teach at the executive tap program at Andrews and at Quantico. Nice. And you can imagine teaching an airman compared to a Marine is dramatically different. And I always get a kick out of it because part of that is four hours and it's on interview techniques and it's on resume development. And I always jokingly say, I wouldn't have hired John Farrell either with my February 1st, 2005 resume because you don't know what you don't know until you experience it. But the things that we think are important in the military, not so much. And when I go and I check a Marine's resume and it says number one fitness program on base, da, 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 and I say, hey, that's important. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? We're fat out here. We don't care about that. So I get such a kick out of the mindset and the psyche change that you have to go through. So talk a little bit about that. When you're counseling and you're talking to these folks, I know a lot of airmen and guardians they carry their self-worth in the wear of that uniform. And when it's all said and done, some of my peers struggle tremendously. So how do you deal with that type of situation? Yeah, and, you know, I talk to folks, not only the service members, but also the spouses. That's one of the things I forgot to touch on. Not only do we help the veteran, we also treat the spouse. We all, I mean, being veterans ourselves, we know what an important and uh, critical part of the unit spouse in the role that they play while we're in. And now it's like, hey, you've been following them around. Now it's time for you guys to focus on yourself. So we treat the spouse just like the vet and help them with jobs and careers. But the big thing I talk folks about is managing expectations. And also go to Fort Campbell. It's 101st. They got fifth group SF there, 160th source, special operations aviation. So you got a lot of different things, but you got infantry guys that come up and they're like, well, I can either be a cop or I can go work in a factory. And I'm like, what do you think that? And they're a first-term soldier. 
they're like, well, you know, I've done infantry. And it's like, man, you know, I know it seems real, real cut and dry for you right now, but when you get out there in the world and you just start letting them understand how their hard and soft skills translate over into the civilian sector, much like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And, and I learned stuff new every day. I transitioned in 2000 from the Air Force and it was tough. And I transitioned just out of the guard and it was tough both times. So I always tell folks, hey, here's what I've been through and here's the mistakes that I've made. So I just try and throw some things out there. The thing is, I ask folks, what do you want to do? And a lot of times they're like, well, I don't really know. So then I say, well, what don't you want to do? Because what I found is emotion is tied to negative emotions and negative incidents. They're like, I definitely don't want to do this. And I definitely don't want to do that. And then it's like we start tightening the shot group, as we say in the Army, and start figuring out what's going to be a good fit for them. The other thing is I always tell them, figure out if you want to do these things, go start looking at the different companies. Starting your transition, if you're about a year out, you need to be on LinkedIn. You need to start getting your head, figuring out where you want to go, what you want to do. But you also want to look at these organizations and you want to make sure that their culture is a fit for you. What kind of environment, their culture, their core values, all these things are important because you could find the dream job and then you end up there and you figure out, wow, this is either a toxic culture or something that just doesn't mesh well with you and your kind of beliefs and background. Well said. I mean, there's a lot of important factors that are there. So having said that, what are some barriers that are in front of veterans when they're making their transition? And how do they go about finding some of these great career opportunities that you've discussed? Yeah, well, I mean, right now there's a ton of different veteran service organizations out there. One of the things that I like about being partnered with the state of Indiana, uh, the state of Indiana, rather, kind of gives us, quote, street cred. Sure. Because they're like, they're not Steve Dave's veteran services. It's like, hey, here's who we are. You know, we're accountable not only to the vets and our board, but also to the state. We report to Lieutenant Governor Susan Crouch. So it gives us some sort of credibility. And I tell folks, you know, there's a lot of companies or a lot of organizations out there. It's sometimes it's hard to weed through. What comes down to is you got to look at yourself and figure out what you want, what kind of services you're looking for. Do you need resume services? There's all kinds of organizations out there, veterati, different mentor programs. What do you think has changed mostly over the last decade or so or things that transitioning service members should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So I will stand on the stump and scream LinkedIn at the top of my lungs until I'm hoarse. I have, being a dad, I always tell people I got corny jokes and crazy sayings. When it comes to LinkedIn, I always stress the importance of networking. I always say, one, network is your net worth. And number two is networking is only one letter away from not working. And the whole the bottom line there is it doesn't matter how cool you are, how many certificates you have, PMPs and all this. If nobody knows, nobody knows. So I stress LinkedIn, you're out, get it up, get it started, get your good headshot, out of uniform, nice background. I explain how that works. There's LinkedIn learning where they can go and learn how to set their profile up. But the thing is, they can use that to start determining if they think they want to do something, they can start following and watching and getting information on the sector that they want to work in. And they may figure out, hey, man, that's not for me. And the best time to figure out it's not for you is when you're still in and you're still getting a paycheck. So that's the big thing. And then just growing your network. If you know you're coming back to Indiana, you can start setting up job alerts that come right to you. You can start growing your network. You're like, hey, I'm moving back to my hometown in Shelbyville, Indiana. 
and who do I know back there and who's around there. The network is where it's at. And that's the big thing that's changed over the past decade coming up with LinkedIn and just the fact that it is so far reaching that, I mean, that's a horse I beat repeatedly. And I say that at every time I get in front of somebody, that's the first thing I bring up, the importance of that. Well said. Can you imagine how hard it was for our parents when they would go to the Washington Post, in my case, and say, here's the employment opportunities. Now let me go knock on a door and figure out a paper application networking. And I love the way you put it. It's just one other way from not working. That's so true. So can you give us maybe one example without naming names of your biggest success story with a veteran? Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly enough, we had a guy who with the Army Band did their logistics. They actually came here and played up in Fishers at the Palladium, did a nice concert. Unfortunately, I think I was on the road. I didn't get a go. Liked Indiana, liked Indianapolis in the area. Ended up transitioning back here. He got his PMP certifications. And then we connected him with the right people. Ended up finding a great career. And yeah, I mean... So him and his family are happy as clams and they're just transitioned well. And it it was, I wouldn't say seamless, but it was a lot less volatile and a lot less painful than it absolutely could have been. Good. You mentioned the social media aspect too. The thing that I always tell people, and for some of them, it's a real adjustment in their in their mindset is clean up your social media. Get rid of the politics, get rid of the beer drinking. Get rid of the party photos. And I always use my daughter example. She's graduating from college at 22 years old and was going to be an elementary education teacher. And I went to her social media page and I said, Jenny, I see a picture here of you playing beer pong with your buddies. If I'm a principal, I'm going to draw the inference party girl. I don't want her working here. Yep. So I said, clean that stuff up and make sure that the, all that stuff is taken care of. So I think there's so much that is intertwined with the social media, LinkedIn, and all the other platforms that are there. What about the other side? What about resources that people should be taking care of from the military component, from the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, or wherever? What are some of the things that they need to do before they walk out that door? Well, I can tell you one of the biggest things that I think is underused and definitely not known as much about is the USO Pathfinder. If folks don't know, USO Pathfinders, basically, they go in and they help the veteran and the spouse. They can do resume writing, interviewing skills, all kinds of different things. It's just another tool in the toolkit, but it's like a Dewalt heavy amp drill. It's getting stuff done, and it's free. Army credentialing online, the Army Cool Program, credentialing opportunities online. You can do up to $5,000 worth of credentialing while you're in. The career skills program that Army has where you can get trained while you're in, you can go to like a 13-week class for welding and pipe fitting. Fort Campbell has veterans in piping where they get you trained up while you're still getting paid by Uncle Sam. You come out and then they get you into the skilled trades. There's just, I mean, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. There's green energy stuff with all these different opportunities with the career skills programs. So there's a lot of things you can do to prepare yourself and set yourself up for success. And then they obviously, like down at Fort Campbell, every Wednesday and Thursday, they have employers down there talking to soldiers and spouses. And I tell folks when I get in front of them in those classrooms, I say, go and talk to every single one because all these tables out here, one of those is your winning lottery ticket. And you don't want to pass that up. Talk to everybody. A lot of guys are like, oh, I want to get into IT. Who do you know that is into software? And I'm like, well, do you do software? No. 
but I need an IT gig. Like everybody has IT. From I mean, you're talking mom and pop shops of five people to Allison Transmission with tens of thousands of folks. Everybody needs IT. And sometimes they're like, oh, I don't have to go to a software or a computer company. So it's just the conversations that they can have with their transition centers, with the USO Pathfinders, and even going to those career fairs and networking there and finding out who do they know within the industry that could help them out and kind of give them some guidance and set them up for success. Great. And another thing I want to make sure that we let our audience know is we're we're obviously focused on the career aspect, but let's not forget about the Veterans Administration. I'm living proof. I'm 62 years old. Thank God I'm still relatively healthy. I didn't ever go until this day to the Veterans Administration. And I think a lot of people overlook the obvious. So make darn sure, audience members, you go to that appointment, you talk to that counselor, If you had health concerns while you were in the uniform, make darn sure they're in your record and get that document, not only for the future compensation you're going to receive, but more importantly, aftercare. So I want to make sure we don't lose that aspect as well. Let's shift a little bit of gears. Uh, So obviously, you grew up just like we all did with COVID in the last three years. How has that changed the nature of your work? I'm sure during that first period, a couple of years ago, there were times where you're doing everything like we are like this and it wasn't human contact, but has it shifted? Have you gone back to more human contact one-on-one? Where's the company now with that? Yeah, when COVID first kicked off, it was funny. We just moved in, had just hired some new folks and we're moving into a new location. And then it's like, boom, COVID, go home. But luckily, as my old first sergeant used to say, you got to flexicute be flexible and execute. So that's what we did. We started doing Zoom meetings. We partnered up with HOH, Hiring Our Heroes, and we did a lot of online events with those folks. We did online visits with different employers throughout the state, and we would send a mass email out and say, hey, we're going to have Eli Lilly on. We're going to have Walmart here. We're going to have Cattle and Biopharmaceutical come and sit down and talk and then make the connections. But another thing that we did was being a retired guard to the folks in that work here are in the guard now. And then Kate, we just hired her on. She's in the reserves. So we got a lot of love for the reserve and the guard folks. And we're like, hey, they started going on COVID orders. And just like a lot of places, their jobs, they went on COVID orders because their company shut down. So it was a combination of what can we do on a national outreach, but then what can we also do to support our local guard and reserve folks? So we would go out to where they were working. Blaine, our CEO and president, he and I went up to Pendleton to the prison and talked to folks that were up there that are working, helping supporting the staff up there about, you know, hey, where are you going to go back to? Do you have anything? Yes, no. How about your spouse? So we were able to pivot and uh, use technology, the curse of the double-edged sword that it is, to reach out there. And then as we started getting back into it, doing more in-person engagement, which I go crazy if I can't or stand in front of people and talk. My, when I was stuck at the house, I'd go to the store like three or four times a day just so I could talk to somebody. My wife's <laughs> like, hey, man, we don't need any more bacon. And I'm like, well, so fortunately, we were able to pivot and change our paradigm pretty quickly and still hit our numbers over the past couple of years. We were still able to hit the numbers and all those gates that had been established either through the board, through our CEO and through the governor's office and the lieutenant governor's office. Great. So, Jerry, we have time for a couple more questions, and I obviously want to afford you the last word. But before we get to that, what does 2023 hold for Invest? Where do you see this taking you now? I'm not going to lie. I'm pulling out my notes on that. Because I told my boss, I'm like, hey, this is kind of a strategic thing. I'm more of a boots on the ground. 
But he says definitely there's a lot coming up for us in the next year. Uh, we're rolling out a new core values, mission, and vision statement, which we'll be presenting to our board here in January, as well as our three-year strategic plan that we've been working on. He's been working on for a couple months. Uh, it's going to be a big shift, but it's definitely a positive one. I mean, we've had to shift and, and change, and we've moved locations. We came out from under who we initially started and stood up as our own 5013C. That's one of the things about the military and veterans and spouses is it's like oh hey things just changed all right no worries let's readjust and move out so we're in talks with some other folks about some significant additional funding about the middle of the year that could actually double the size of our team which is super exciting right so yeah we're pretty excited 2023 is going to be i think probably a pinnacle year for us as far as new uh, veterans and their families here growing our team growing our engagement, getting to a couple bases in some different locations in the U.S. that we haven't been able to get into because of COVID. And now we're starting to cultivate and uh, really work those connections that we've made because it's all about networking. So now we're going to be able to pull the trigger and get on uh, some of those installations that we previously haven't been able to. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Sounds like a lot of great things on, on the horizon. So... In closing here, before I ask my final question, two questions left, and then I'll forward you the opportunity for the last word. Is there any nugget that has been not said that you want to share with our audience that would be important for transitioning service members? Big thing is LinkedIn, and you got to own your transition. If you're not going to take and be actively engaged in your transmission, it's just like we say, if you if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. I talked to like different, I got Navy SEAL people, I got Delta Force people, I got SF people. I've got Joe who did one term. I got all these people in my network that have all kinds of great information. If I tell people, follow me on LinkedIn, I've got people from the Department of Labor, DOD, all this stuff that are blasting out amazing information across LinkedIn that it falls into the realm of what I didn't know I didn't know. So get on LinkedIn, grow your network. Definitely find me. It's not hard. Jerry Young. I always say, just look for this. That's my picture. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And just connect with me. I got about 6,800 followers right now. And I've been working to grow my network. And I don't say that to be a braggart. I just say it because I know the the better my network, the better I'm going to be able to support veterans and their families and their transition. Great. So I always conclude these things. I'm a big fan of a guy you'll probably recognize his name, an old guy like me named Dan Rather. And Dan has a show on television on Access TV called The Big Interview, where he interviews politicians, movie stars, entertainers. And he always concludes every interview with this question. Jerry, what question should I have asked you that I didn't? What question should you have asked me that you didn't? Or you wished I would have? Well, I guess career opportunities in Indiana, that's the one that we didn't touch on. So, and I'll be brief. I'll just say over the past two years with COVID, when a lot of economies were either going in full destruct mode or just evaporating, Indiana's actually grew exponentially. We get 150,000 job openings right now, and we are currently partnered with over 420 employers in Indiana. So Indiana is huge. We're number one in the nation per capita for advanced manufacturing, and we're fifth in the nation for logistics. We're also huge into the IT cyber tech stuff. It's basically witchcraft and sorcery to me, but (laughs) it's out there. And then also the medical field. We're partnered with Indiana University Health, and they're the second largest employer in the state behind Walmart. So we got a lot of great paying jobs. We got a low cost of living. And I mean, I didn't even 
get a touch on the amazing benefits Indiana has for veterans then end up relocating here for them and their families. Okay, Jerry. Well, again, we really appreciate your time. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Airman Helping Airman Podcast. We'll ensure that we share all of Jerry Young's hyperlinks for you to review. And Jerry, we wish you a great day. Thank you very much for being with us, sir. Have a good day. Thanks for this opportunity, John. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen, brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airmen Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.